0: Trigger warning The Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. It's me, Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm here with someone that funny enough, lives a couple provinces away, but I met her all the way in Miami. And it just shows you like the world is not so small after, I mean, I guess it's small, not so big after all, it's a small world. And I am so honored that Meryl is here today. So Meryl Kriegsman, she's a business mentor and women's wealth advocate, is dedicated to helping you create millions on your terms and become the wealthiest woman in your lineage. I need your help. (laughs) But she's helped thousands of women, Break their generational patterns of scarcity, resulting in stratospheric income leaps and seven figure success for many. She's been in Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and more. And she has such a fascinating story. And when I asked her, you know, Meryl, like, can you explain one sentence, like, how you were resilient? And she just said, All the things. So without further ado, I want to welcome my sparkly friend. That's I know, right? From another mister. Like like it feels like I've known you honestly, Meryl. It feels like I've known you forever, but it's only been a few months.
1: Well, maybe it's because we're both we both like to overshare. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <You know? know? laughs> so, moves yeah. faster. Yeah, so welcome welcome to the podcast, Meryl.
1: I'm so glad to be here. I just love being in the same room as you. Oh. However, we make that happen. Yeah,
0: we got to meet in the middle. Like you're in Saskatchewan, I'm in BC. Let's meet in Alberta. <laughs>
1: we want to go to alberta though <laughs> i don't know let's we'll <laughs> go back to miami that was nice and warm i think i'll just come and visit you in bc that sounds it sounds like a really good plan too yeah i love it
0: and what i love about you is like i didn't read your full bio and it's gonna go into the show notes but what i love is how it ends is spot this former opera singer in the wild reading erotic novels or having fun with her kids on her organic farm wearing a 1920s lace dress and rubber boots and to me this is like a complete package of who you are, like all the different, very, um, exotic and fun aspects of you. And, oh, you know, okay. yeah. And I want to like, you're not from Saskatchewan, like you're from, oh. like, let's like, let's talk about your story. Let's talk about sometimes mm-hmm. times you had to be resilient, uh, you know, I'll pass the mic to you.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. So no, I'm not from Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, transplant um I am from Holland originally that was where I was born and raised uh, to a family of artists and mediums and astrologers and people who you know chose to ate organic in the 70s instead of the 2010s you know so it was just a, an interesting an interesting family to be born into and um my my youth basically consisted out of my parents renovating these these old buildings while we lived in them and then moving when it was done and then starting all over again that was sort of like their mo and so when i smell fresh paint or freshly poured concrete or you know just smell and feel in your nose of like sawdust that's home to me i'm like oh all these memories and you're like oh shit this is connected to like The smell of chemicals. (laughs) Wait a second!
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh!
1: Uh, so you know, and and it was amazing, like just being being witness to how they transformed these spaces and made them absolutely stunning and restored them back to you know their former glory, like nineteen hundred glory. It was just it was it was really interesting. Childhood. I'm um, the second born of four kids. Yeah, and and you know, I think resilience for me started. Pretty early on, because my my parents are um both for very different reasons, uh very traumatized people, you know, just like legit, you went through a really hard time like my my um my grandfather on my my um dad's side died when my dad was thirteen. You know he heard his mom scream like a gut wrenching scream. Downstairs, and he he ran downstairs, and he found her as a thirteen year old boy, just sitting and sobbing on the kitchen floor next to the, you know, the telephone. And he uh, yeah, his dad passed unsu- uh, you know unexpectedly in in sort of like a routine surgery. And my mom comes very from from broken home as well, and you know that impacts you in all kinds of ways, right? It's it's they wanted it to be cycle breakers so hard, but I think. Sometimes it takes a few generations of cycle breakers to actually break the cycle um, or heal the cycle. Maybe it's about healing the cycle instead of breaking the cycle. So I don't know why exactly, but in hindsight, I can truly say I was raised like a 19th-century like novel heroine. It can paint murals and sing opera and ride a horse and embroider the cushions and carry on sophisticated conversation in multiple languages so that's sort of like how it ended up being which is really interesting experience um you know living in this modern world oh my gosh right that's why you stand
0: out like you're you're phenomenal you're very diverse
1: it's it's very it's very interesting but you know like we all grew up being kids with um some special needs you know we um we were always going through like psychoses or, you know, I was in therapy by the time I was eight for obsessive compulsive thinking and depression at eight. Well, lucky that your parents, exactly. Like
0: I, I didn't, my, my teachers called my mom in to school. And I was probably eight or nine. And they are like, we think Blair's depressed. Cause I was writing depressing stuff. Yeah, exactly. My, yeah. My mom was like, no, nah, she's fine. She's always she's smiling. Fine. And I didn't get therapy till my adult life till I took myself. Ugh. So like, yeah, that's amazing that your parents
1: did that. I know they are amazing. They truly are. I, I love them so much. Like they, they really made the most, most of like everything, you know, despite some, some of their own like internal struggles and traumas and, and gave us a really beautiful childhood, but you know it was sort of like riddled with mental health issues and uh addiction and uh you know my siblings struggling in school and then dropping out of school i'm 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 a high school dropout i I dropped out because i I had started to starve myself at that point despite all the therapy by the way um you know it just was sort of like a a train wreck that just needed to happen or something i like I was in therapy all the way up to, you know, my dad likes to joke. He always says like, well, joke, sort of like, haha, very tragic, uh, that I became therapy resistant. So I, I was in therapy, but I, I was at that point, I was so clever that I could fool my therapist into believing I was doing just just peachy. I was just fine, you know, and I was, I was, I was uh, struggling with anorexia in the, in the background, and um, I remember my, my father yelling, at the therapist, like just saying, you know, why didn't you see it? Like, why were you so blind? You know, and she was just, I don't know. So I went through that, almost died, came out the other end, having dropped out of school at that point as well. I was 15 at that time. And, um, and I remember, you know, uh, the moment I decided to live was when they showed me on, on like a chalkboard. I literally said, like, this is what your heart is doing. And this is how your kidneys are doing. And this is what your teeth are doing. And this is and you have about a six week window before your your heart muscle will actually start to deteriorate. Your kidney failure I was like, oh, shit. Um, no, I think I'm going to eat the sandwich like on the way home, like I'll have the sandwich. That was the turning point. And um, I remember, too, like I've, I, I always really wanted to be mom. And um, and I was still like 20 kilos underweight or something. I was like, I'm I'm like six feet tall, right? If You've met me. I'm like a really tall person, um, and I I weighed like nothing, and um, and I still got my period back. The moment I decided to live, my body was just like, okay, we're on board with this, baby. You're gonna get your period back, and and it happened while I was like walking with the dog. I was just like choosing healing. I was in the forest. I was like feeling spring and everything coming to life. And then I came home and I got my period and I felt like this huge, just like affirmation of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. I mean, what a struggle I can't imagine, you know, I want to back up. You said, you know, you came out the other side, like you dropped out of school and you came out the other side we cool. let's dive into that a bit more because, you know, yeah. if, if any of our listeners are, know someone who is, you know, battling anorexia.
1: Well, so many people have daughters like that are struggling with food disorders. I know multiple of them, you know, and I, and I want people to know if they're listening and if they do have a child that is struggling, I uh, feel free to DM me, you know, on Instagram, let's just connect. Yeah. yeah. How do, how, like, I
0: know you said on the chalkboard, there was those diagrams of like, this is what's going to happen to you in six weeks. If you don't stop, was that besides that, did something get you to sitting in that room to looking at that chalkboard? Like what led up? Yeah. To that moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, what my parents did is they put me in, um, it was like an, an out, we call it an outbound clinic where, so I was staying at home, but then I would come in for therapy days, basically where they would weigh me and you know sort of like just just show me um what was happening um and and you know be in therapy and be in group therapy and um and I didn't want to take any meds I was like vehemently against taking medication which they wanted me they wanted me to get on meds but uh my brother who'd had a psychosis only a few years prior um he had taken he had gotten like you know uh, quite like heavy meds and and i had just i was pretty traumatized by sort of losing my older sibling you know like not being able to connect with him so now i was i was you know set on getting getting through it without medication which they respected um what got me to the point i mean for me what was always layered in was just shame around my queerness i think at that point you know that that had been sort of a clear feeling of, okay, here we are. This is what's so, um, paired with like all kinds of layers of other things, right? It's like perfect, perfect storm sort of things. And, and I remember, um, just sitting, sitting there going, cause it had really been around, like, I don't want to live like this. You know, if this is who I am, then I, then I, I just, I just don't, I, I I can't picture wh- what that would be like. And, and I think at that point, you know, um, sex ed was still extremely homophobic. Um, mm. well, this and, is the 90s, right? Uh, it's the 2000s. 2000s. Uh, yeah, I was I'm from um, from 89. Oh, yes. Was, right. In my head, I'm like, we're 80s babies. It was the 90s. But it's like we're 80s. Babies. <laughs> yes, we are. I mean, I am an 80s baby. Yeah,
0: So the early um, 2000s. Yeah, things were very different. Like, uh, you know, when we were that age. Yeah. like We, you know, people weren't coming out with their true identities or sexualities and a lot of stuff. No, was
1: No. And, and for example, like I'm a, I'm a high femme queer, right? What they call a high femme queer. So I'm like extremely feminine. I'm literally like, you won't, you don't see this because we're not on camera, but I have like this hair that's like kilometers long and <laughs> I'm wearing lipstick and right. And, um, and I had this image in my head of, if I want to right also love women, then I have to buy a leather jacket, cut off my hair, and talk like this right It was just like it didn't compute like i couldn't I, like it was it was literally like identity dysmorphia right at that point mm-hmm. um you know and 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 so um as i was was growing into that identity right into becoming a woman um it's just like, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't picture it. I couldn't see myself. I couldn't see, I didn't have an example of, of what that would be like, you know, and it, it scared me. And, um, and I also think just paired with fear, fear of my own power, you know, I was, I was, I noticed that I was getting very powerful and I think it didn't know what it were to do with that either. Um, but to go back to your question, um, I think that's that, like literally the moment where I was like, you know what? Like, even if I'm queer, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking figure it out because I don't want to die. You know, I was literally being faced with, with death um, and having sort of like, uh, yeah, like feeling like, okay, now I'm really flirting with, you know, my own mortality mm-hmm. game over. It's just like, okay, that's enough.
0: Do you, I thank you for sharing. And like, you know, you got to that point where it was either life or death reflecting on that experience, you know, Mm -hmm. not feeling, I guess, fully comfortable because you didn't have the external like reflection of how you felt on the inside and, you know, being so close to potentially dying with, you know, from anorexia, what do you wish someone did sooner now that you are where you are in life? What do you like, what would have been helpful earlier on for you?
1: You know what? Like it's, it's almost like a kismet kind of feeling that you know I'm I was actually meant to have some of those experiences, so it's it's like I don't I I, I struggle to to sort of find a this would have been better or this would have been more helpful. Mm-hmm. We can talk about what is helpful for sure, um, but for like what's really interesting is that and he actually um, this person died in June. We had a lot of loss in our family, uh, and and you know close family friends this year. But the the physician who had been my grandma's physician, my mom's physician, my my physician, also like mental health, you know, person that we we went to, and then uh, he also met my daughter. So for four generations within the same female line, it's very special. But he said to my mom when I was six, "Don't put her into ballet classes because I want I wanted to do ballet." He said, "Don't do it." she if she if she goes into that she'll develop a food disorder so at age 6 he already saw the the basically like the the the, the, the yeah like the personality traits of something right that that would turn into yeah like self self destructive uh, hyper perfectionist uh, sort of behavior i i am eternally grateful for the experience because I have unshakable right self-love and confidence um, as the, the, the foundation that I was able to build the rest of my life on, my adult life on, right? Where so many people are still figuring things out and who they are. Like I I already had a pretty solid sense of um race. Right, like I was building on really solid ground. And I think that's that's why I was able to, you know, um end up at age 30 you know, being a self-made millionaire, having three kids, having moved across the globe, having, you know, a really successful, loving marriage. Um, those are not things because I was just lucky. It's like, because I, I learned so much about myself and my strengths and my weaknesses and how to navigate them and right and how to be resilient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important because,
0: what I like to talk about is like turning my pain into purpose, which is why this yeah. community exists and that you went through some, you, you've gone through a lot, but you went through this one specific thing and it yeah. it was, you know, your rock bottom became your foundation.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And look at you now. Right, and yeah. she just said it like she became a self-made millionaire and moved across the world. And I think that on its own is a there. Those those are their own stories. So let's yeah. talk about you know you climbing back up from that rock bottom, you growing from those you know cracks in the foundation to where you are now. Yeah. What, is it, what has it been like to, you know, in all the aspects of your life, stand in your power, become more powerful, and fully love yourself and. Every aspect of your life, your marriage, your sexuality, your business, and beyond.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, what it created is um, a heightened sense of of the things that sort of threaten my integrity, right? And by integrity, I mean wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. Being 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 integral. When I when I when I talk about not being in integrity, I, I always picture like a wounded animal right or or an animal that has like part of its fur torn off and because of that it can get wet and because it gets wet it gets sick and right yeah. sort of like in the literal sense it's sort of like primal sense of that word um i feel very keenly when when something is starting to like you know distract me or or sort of do that thing in the background where it's like just you know like rotting <laughs> like rot yeah <laughs> right and i and i i just have a zero Tolerance policy um, towards it, right so the, the the there's just an unwillingness to settle, an unwillingness to tolerate, an unwillingness to um, to to allow myself to be be compromised, if you will um, that makes me very strong, that makes me you know when things are hard, I have a lot of energy right to move through things because I'm not bleeding it in a thousand directions, which is what so many people do, mm-hmm. right? And they and they, they sort of, let's say that something happens that creates sort of like a wound, right? Like a wounding, um, but they're already almost bled dry. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's just that last straw that then creates, uh, you know, them needing a really long period of time to heal or whatever it is, right? Or the inability to bounce back and um and so it's really a daily practice of like where where do i notice myself sort of being untrue to myself or where i feel like well it's you know it's okay or whatever it is in regards to who i work with how i work with them when i work how I raise our children, you know, our children, and my contribution to that, and how I don't contribute, in you know, some ways, and then supplement that with somebody else, and maybe can offer them those things, and uh, to how we run our household. Um, I know, for example, that I don't do well with with clutter, makes me feel like shit. So I have a zero tolerance policy, which, by the way, doesn't work because I have three kids. So you know, wait, didn't you?
0: We had a chat. You said you had a room that you were building for the kids tell us about that
1: right remember
0: yeah the the
1: jungle gym so like literally I can I can look around the corner here and there's like this massive structure that is an indoor jungle gym with like slides and everything for the kids so that they have a place to run without completely tearing down the rest of the house and and you know sort of leaving a, a, a trail of destruction in their wake <laughs> it was like it was a really nice idea in reality it doesn't quite work Which I got really frustrated with a couple of days ago (laughs) because now they're playing on the jungle gym and then they're still, you know, still making a mess. (laughs) They're still like, yeah, it's like beyond a mess, but you know, it's okay. Um, Because um, I'll, I'll be resilient. You know, I have resilience there to fall back on and help me through it. Do you, so you have
0: three kids and, you know, you had this really, I guess I'd say different, like very, different than i guess probably the rest of a lot of society upbringing and now you're raising your kids on this farm in saskatchewan um Mm -hmm. you know and you're you you know you're such a beautiful free spirit do you think like what do you think is the lesson that you're teaching your kids with your resilience and what you've gone through
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm teaching them is that they have both a creative side and a destructive side, and they're actually two—you know—they're two sides of one coin. And we have to celebrate both those sides, right? So it's not like, oh, we're just going to celebrate when you when you are creative and you're making beautiful things for Mama. We're also going to celebrate your anger and your fierceness and your strength and your right. That so the I mean, it's 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 hilarious, right? Because. um, uh, they go to this um, this homeschool sort of like situation, um, and um, she is Christian, and um, and these three kids they they uh, they swear like filthy sailors, like babies. your kids. Yeah, Ugh. it was like a, a problem, as in like it showed up in the you know the education meetings. We had. Whoops, <laughs> <laughs> like whoops. But you know, I I I love it when. I hear my kids just fully expressing their right, right. Because it's the right and their your connection to that, right. That is going to give you the strength and the fortitude to, to face hardship in your life. And, and so um, we celebrate both. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. I mean, yes. Great. Right? They're growing up similar to me in the sense that, um, you know, they're reciting poetry and singing opera and yeah, you know, but it's just how we and do farming <laughs> in Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> they're growing their own food, you know, which is beautiful. So they're very connected to, you know, mother earth. And, uh, that's something that I really wanted, uh, for our children that we both wanted for our kids. Um, but, you know, I run a flower garden together with my daughters and, they love it They we're already talking about what seats we're going to get, and they're just going to, you know, be with their hands in the dirt, actually work up the, the, you know, like the 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 earth and putting, you know, nutrients in and really taking care of it. And then they go, they go pick flowers and make beautiful bouquets. And I think that's a beautiful description, right? It's not just about them buying nice flowers and putting them in a the vase with your kids. No, you grow those things. You go grow. You go work hard to actually you know, and, and explore like, okay, it, it has roots. Yeah. Do you have roots? <laughs> I think you do. Right. And then yeah. we can talk about that.
0: It's like taking yeah. the word, like getting grounded to a whole new level, like literally becoming, totally. you know, becoming yeah. one with nature. I think that's, that's so fascinating. And, you know, I love like, you know, because we only just met in November and like following what you're doing on social media. I think it's it's really fascinating. And I your kids are very lucky to grow up with that space because there isn't lots of that space. Like a lot of kids grow up in apartments or condos or like concrete jungles and urban centers. And they might have a little patch of grass or they, you know, have a park to go to or they're not yeah. near the trails. Like, you know, I'm in the mountains. I know I'm very lucky. I oh, did not. So,
1: so envious. Yeah. Like that sounds like a dream. <laughs> Come on, visit. Um,
0: but like we, yeah. I was raised in Winnipeg in like the concrete jungle. The like, concrete we had jungle. a yard. It wasn't very big. We didn't really garden. Cause I had a single mom who worked really hard and you know, yeah. as I got older, yeah. she planted a raspberry bush and did some gardening, but like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but like exactly. I was always so jealous. Like I go to my grandpa, my grandparents' house and they had this huge garden and like my friends who would garden with their parents. Like, I love that. And I thought it was so cool. Now as an adult, I have the space and I even have a garden and I'm actually, oh my God, I'm going to be pulling the garden out and putting a pool in, but cause I travel so much that I can't maintain it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
0: I think like as a kid, like how special is that? Right. That they get to do that. And I think that's really beautiful because, you know, these are three humans that you're putting, you know, you're raising to do certain things, to take forth these lessons and bring them into the world. So thank you for that. Cause that's awesome. They sound like really phenomenal children.
1: Oh, they're just the forces of nature is what they are, you know? And I think, I think when, when kids thrive, they, they generally are right. They're just so incredibly powerful. I mean, you know, our oldest daughter loves dragons. She calls herself the dragon daughter. And, um, you know, when I asked her like, what are the the three things that you love in the world? It's like dragons, romance, and violence is what she said. (laughs) And, um, and my middle daughter She's been saying for the last two years that she has a werewolf inside of her. That's how she introduces herself. It's like when there is a new person in her life, she she like she's a total extrovert, and she like goes up to them and says, "Did you know that I have a werewolf inside of me?" That's you know, it's how she is, and, and I think it's beautiful, and I think she does have a werewolf inside of her, you know. So I, I indulge her. <laughs> I love that. I mean, sort of like, wait, what? <laughs> what's
0: she like on full moons? <laughs>
1: oh yeah know when she sees the moon right she howls and then her little sibling like howls along and her yeah. little sibling isa is um uh, says that she's a kitty cat werewolf Aww. you know so, like i'm a werewolf but i'm also a kitty cat yeah you know so it's like kids are just so utterly delicious you know in their and their
0: imagination right like their imagination yeah. is part of resilience like I like to talk about how there's so many things you, there's things you can do to strengthen your resilience muscle and having that imagination is such an important thing to not just have as a kid, but to carry through your life. Cause look at us, like you and I as entrepreneurs, our imagination has built, you know, I've built this community from my imagination. You know, you've built a, you know, seven figure business and you've helped thousands of women with your imagination. And it's, I think imagination correlates to power.
1: And so, yeah, exactly. I love that. And, and, you know, I, I had a like rough year in the sense that I, you know, I, I was, I was mentored by a few people who told me to build a really big team and that that was the only way to grow. So like, I was okay, you know, enough people have said it clearly, this is the way to go. So I built the whole team, absolutely hated it, had to basically dismantle what, you know, was a, was a, a, a bomb about to be triggered with all kinds of like, you know, interhuman messes and expectations and disappointments and, mm-hmm. um, And, and I, um, you know, well, I'm going to say I decided to take the fall off, but really Keith, my husband grabbed me by the scruff and put me in the corner. (laughs) You got a timeout. Timeout, baby. Like, and I was like, (laughs) for a family Um, and it's like, well, actually we have like two years worth of, you know, expenses paid for like back in the corner, go rest, go, go just lay fallow. Um, which was like the ultimate luxury, by the way, to like be able to have right. And anyone who's like, well, that sounds really amazing. I wish I had that. The the, the reason we have that because you know we we were poor as church mice when we landed here in in Canada. Uh, the reason why I I I could actually afford the luxury of taking time off to to heal my from the experience and the, st- the sheer stress of it all oh my god you know and and find my creative center again it was because we've always taken exquisitely like good care of our finances maybe we can just um line up some resources in the show notes. For yes, people. and like
0: selfishly, I would like those too because um one of my yeah. weakest points is my finances. I'm really Special good at making management. money. Yeah. yeah, I'm really good at making money and I'm really good at spending money, like really good at spending <laughs> money. And it's all this stuff in between. And I have this money trauma, so, like, and that's a whole nother conversation about like my family oh, did yeah, have a lot of money, no. but my dad developed an addiction and sold the business. And he was a diamond dealer. And then my mom was a single mom giving us this life of like private school. And so I have this money trauma from the stuff that I saw growing up and like how it was in my household. So selfishly, wow. yes, please share those resources. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm gonna hire you, Meryl. <laughs> like let's work together. Yeah, no, no,
1: seriously though, because some of our clients um work with Keith as well. And and yesterday we had a client, um, she had a real rough year I think 2022 was like such such a rough year for like so many people in their personal lives it's just like wild um you know her son really got bullied and you know it was just mm-hmm. a horrific experience and it impacted her business and then um we, we worked together relentlessly on, on on messaging which I'm sure you'll appreciate like the importance yeah. of that and and all of a sudden she started like closing all these clients yeah. you know 25k on a like two two week sales cycle and you know she's over the moon but she literally said like the reason she's doing so well it's also because she had a meeting with Keith and she finally sat down with her finances got intimate with her numbers and actually yeah. you right learned to understand like whoa my kid is about to go to college <laughs> this is really expensive you know I have yeah. to yeah. right and then and then sort of like that sets the stage um so yes so important right it's 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 really it should be part of your resilience practice yeah, to to create financial security for yourself, so that when you're laying there wounded and crying and and completely torn down, that you yeah. can actually say, "Take a break, catch your breath." Yeah. And I just feel into your feelings. Yes.
0: This is so important because, um, with what I went through with the miscarriage and three weeks later, losing yes. my father-in-law three months later, losing my mom and then losing my dad, not even a year later being an entrepreneur, I didn't have that cushion. No, and so no, I pushed no. through. In fact, you're witnessing me still pushing through and I was in no. survival mode and I did come into some money and I put a lot of it into my business, which is why I'm on a billboard in times square. And I'm going to be featured on an yeah. Amazon show, like i'm really grateful for what i've done with that you know i've invested in myself and whatnot but what you're saying about having that two-year cushion yes like i think this is so important and it is a part of resilience so i think this is a whole nother conversation so we'll probably have That's to right. have you back but i mean yeah. there's so many things here so i want to just um two final things one how can people yeah. find you if they want to get into your world the world of Merrill?
1: Yeah. So, um, we'll make sure that my Instagram is in the show notes. Come talk to me on Instagram. That's where I love to hang out. You can join my Facebook group. Um, and you know, just, just DM me on Instagram. We'll send you the link that you set up right now. It's called wealth on your terms. I might change the name of the Facebook group. I, I do, I do that. <laughs> uh, like I can't, I can't I love it. it. stagnant. Okay. And, and also I have, I have a podcast where I just, um, it's, it's literally like the diary of a millionaire matriarch. That's how I see myself. I see myself as a female leader who's, you know, taking it upon herself to, to really set the stage for all the females around me to, to also, you know, see what's possible and, and, you know, and lead. Um, it, it's my diary. I'm just literally sharing what I do, what works, what doesn't the complete flops, the disappointments, the victories and and how I make them happen. So Come, come, check out my diary. We'll put the link in in the show notes with a promo code, and then you can literally start binging hundreds of episodes, just like Oof. five minute shares. Yes, million dollar nuggets. I'm into it. I want a million dollar nugget. That sounds like yeah.
0: digging for gold. <laughs> Dig, digging for some nuggets. I love it, Meryl. Okay, oh, no. so one final question for now, because I feel like I need to have you back for all the things. Um, What is a piece of advice? I mean, we talked about a lot of different things, but what's resonating with you? I would love for you to share a piece of advice for someone who's going through something that you went through, whether it's the, you know, anorexia or anything that, you know, anything that you've done that's really resonating with you from this conversation. Advice from you, a oh wise matriarch.
1: Yes. So I have always found that the healing comes from connection, right? Like a person that then, connects you with another person or a person that knows a person who can connect you with a resource or, right. It's so easy when you're struggling to isolate yourself, right? I had a postpartum depression in 2022 or 2020. Well, and then it, it created, you know, um, um, insomnia, chronic insomnia. I couldn't sleep, which by the way, it like wrecked my brain. I got, you know, passive suicidal and ideation and all kinds of things. And in the end, what healed me was just connecting with people, being around people, telling people my story, uh, having them tell me their stories of their hardships and being able to just be held by, um, by the people that love me and that I love. And then what I would add to that is that you, you don't want to just make that reliant on a few relationships or one community. You want to diversify your love streams, the same way that you want to diversify your income streams, you want to diversify your, your love streams so that there's like just all this love flowing to you from all kinds of directions, whether it's like local community or community connected to maybe causes that you care about or um people that have had similar life experiences, but like a good mix of things. Okay. You want to like mix it up. You want a good sort of like salad mix, you know, like yeah. different, different things so that you get all your vitamins, right. You need carrot people and you need some pa- pepper cup people and you need sort of like yeah. to make sure you get everything that you need and then just keep exposing yourself to conversations to ideas to right without the expectation that it's right away going to click and you're going to heal and you're going to get up and you're going to run again it's like no, just soak it up for a while just soak it all up until you feel yourself again I love that put yourself in a timeout (laughs) just
0: like Keith did to you totally you know time you need time you need time and I love that advice Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you're such a treat. So, you know, her links are in the show notes, dive into her world. She's like a very cool human, I promise. And mm-hmm. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me about all things, Merrill, all the things resilience and to all you listeners out there. Thank you for letting us into your ears, your life, your soul, your heart. Remember, it is okay to not be okay. We've created this safe space for you to read, share, listen to stories of resilience. Applications are now open if you want to share your story in the second Global Resilience Project book. There's a link in the show notes if you feel compelled, if your story is something you're ready to share that has something that can help other people navigate their challenges, I invite you to be part of our community, to share your story in our next book that will be coming out in later 2023. And just remember, it is okay to not be okay. You don't have to walk this challenge alone. You are resilient. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.